Happy New Year. It's here. It's here. Uh, welcome to the creek. I'm glad you're here. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and wonderful New Year's. Uh, Heather and I were off last weekend and uh, just taking some rest. And I just want to thank you uh, for a wonderful Christmas and everyone who served. Um, also want to thank our church family for your generosity. Um, because of you, over 250 kids got Christmas um, that didn't have a way to get Christmas, and you made that happen, and I just want to thank you for that. Um, 2020, 2021, man, I feel like we lost a year somewhere. <laughs> Wonder where. Um, but 2021 was a record year for giving and blessing our community, and, and uh, it's amazing. You guys are amazing. And then uh, we kicked off the, the fundraising to get the upstairs edition finished, and, and throughout the year, we've had almost $87,000 come in for the upstairs, and just in November and December, you guys gave over $67,000, so thank you for that. That is awesome. Um, you can, you can still give and keep giving because um, we're going to hopefully start in January or March and uh, they're getting everything ramped up. They have to get all the equipment on site before they'll do anything. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're not going to hound you for it. Uh, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in guilt and compulsion. I'm laying out what we're doing. We're finishing the upstairs to give more space for ministry expansion uh, so we can expand our Bible studies. We can help churches launch out of there. We can launch more campuses and we can, uh, we can really kind of focus in on, on what God is calling us to do. Um, and you take that vision, let God work on your heart and you do what he asks you to do. If he says do nothing, do nothing. If he says do something, do something. Something. And uh, that's just how we work right here. So how you feel about 2022? I, uh, I, I found a, I got a cartoon sent to me that I think is a, a kind of a telling sign of what 2022 is. Um, do we have that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you feel apprehensive, you feel nervous, uh, you feel focused, you know? I mean, it feels like once we get focused, everything just changes, right? Once we kind of know the rules, something changes, and, and it just it's just hard. And I just feel like going into 2022, it's like, eh, really? Should we? I don't know if I want to, um, but we're here, and it's in it. But uh, I, I, feel, I feel excited about this year because God uh, gave me a specific vision uh, for 2022 in the middle of 21. And uh, Heather and I took a, a sabbatical last year and, and, and just took some time away just to, just to reflect. I mean, it, it was an amazing time where, where God was speaking to us and doing something for us. And I told you when we came back from that, that I didn't spend a lot of time trying to get information. God, what do you want the church to be? What do you want the ministry to look like? I wanted to spend my time with God. And, and Heather did that. And then we spent our time together. And then out of that comes things for the church. Because see... The church is not my first ministry. My first ministry is Heather. My home, my marriage is my first ministry. And I wanted to take time and let's lock in and get God just really locking us together because she is my armor bearer in this process, in this journey. And so we're doing this together. And then out of that, God starts speaking to me about the church. And it was, it was towards the end. It was around July uh, of 2021. God gave me a very specific uh, uh, picture and laid something very specific on my heart in August of 21. I shared that with our leaders, and I've been I just been waiting to share it with you. And and I, I got to give the men's breakfast a preview this morning, and uh, it was awesome. And uh, so I'm going to give you our theme for 2022 that God laid on my heart. It's called multiply. And, and I, we're going to spend the next four weeks really unpacking what that means um, because we just think that just means more of something, right? 
but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really show you what God was teaching me through this and, and working through. And I want to take you to a psalm that, that I, I read specifically as he was speaking this vision over, over us as the church. It's Psalm 126. It says, um, it's a song of ascents, which means uh, that they're going into the house of the Lord. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those, the Negev is the desert. Um, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with them. This is a song of a psalm of ascent, and they're, they're singing this as they were going up to the house of the Lord. And the nation was scattered right now because of COVID, I mean captivity. Um, the nation was scattered, and now they gather. Now they're coming in, and where there, was, where there was weeping, there's now joy. Where there was hardship, there's now the blessing of God. And, I, and God was just showing me this. I'm like, what, what are you trying to speak to me? Because I am that stupid sometimes. I mean, I, you know, I, I, Jesus would say to the disciples, are you that dull? And I have to respond to him, I am. And I, I needed him playing. Give it to me simply. What are you telling me here, God? And this, this is just, I was praying. I was, I was camping. I was by myself. It was quiet. And, and this just, this is what, what God was speaking to me. He says, I'll fill my house again. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. He says, but it won't look the way you think it's going to look. And so that's when I had to really press into the heart of God and going, so what's it going to look like? What, what do you mean? You know, I believe God will fill the house again, but he wants it to look like something that it didn't look like before. See, all through COVID, I've, I've, I've never prayed, God, get us back to good. My prayer is, God, lead us on to great. Let us leave that behind. You know, Solomon would say, Solomon in his books of wisdom would say, you know, only the fool looks and longs for the good old days. God has a future and a purpose and a hope for us. So let's look to that. And so, God, what, what are you saying here? And, and John 12, 32 just came, came rushing to mind. It says, I, I will draw people unto myself. And, so I, and he does that. So what's our responsibility? Jesus was given this in the context of his crucifixion. It says, when, this, when I am lifted up, when they lift me up on that cross, I will draw people unto myself. Because the resurrection, the crucifixion, the resurrection is the central message that the world needs to hear. It is the only thing that can save our life. It is the only thing that can bring us reconciliation with God. And when we recognize the importance of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, and that's the gospel of what he did for us, then he says, when you get faithful with that, I'll draw people unto myself. When Heather and I planted the creek, our, our, our line in the sand was, we're not going to preach anything but the Bible, the word of God. I'm not a political pastor. When Jesus runs for president, I'll be a political pastor. But I'm going to preach the word of God. 
And when I stand on this platform, it's the message of the gospel that will go out and go out and go out. And God has drawn people unto himself through that process. I'm not that good. I'm not that funny. I'm pretty funny looking, but I'm not that great of a teacher. I'm not the best pastor out there. I have pastors that are friends of mine that I look up to, that I respect tremendously, that I want to be like when I grow up someday. But I, I know it's not me. It's him. It's the power of God at work in us. And as God was speaking this to me and showing me these things, he was just saying, Matt, you just, all you got to do is keep preaching the gospel, but create capacity for me to fill. Because what we have to do is constantly be working in our lives. Heather and I moved, and, and we did this thing called the purge, you know? Have you ever done that, you know? And it, you don't do it unless you're moving, because it's one of those things you don't want to do unless you're forced to do it, unless you're a freak. And I know some of you guys like to do that. Like, I think this spring I'm going to purge. You know, are you moving? No, I just want to purge. Okay, I don't want to do that. Okay, I'll keep this stuff in my garage until I die, and the kids can do something with it then, okay? I'll purge when, they, they can purge for me when I die. But what God is saying is, look, you got to do a spiritual purge here, Matt. You've got to create space for me to fill. you got to open up and let me do something. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing with the disciples in Acts chapter 1. And that's, that's where, where God took me, and I want to I focus in on that this weekend. But in Acts 1, we, we see that we have to release ourselves to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And that, that, that's a purpose. What are we witnesses of? The witnesses of the crucifixion and the resurrection. You'll receive power to go into all the world to do that, to share that message. And as you share it, I'll draw people in. What I love about that is I'm not responsible for the results. When I stand before God and I'm judged as a pastor and a teacher of his word, he's not going to go, well, how many people did you have coming to your church every weekend? You know, as a side note, I love hanging out with pastors, but I hate when the conversation goes, well, how many people attend your services every weekend? And one time I was feeling snarky, which I am most of the time. And I just looked at the pastor. I said, one. And he goes, huh? I said, it doesn't matter if there's a room full of people. There's one there that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to. And that's my responsibility to be clear, to get myself out of the way for that one. He didn't like that answer, but, um, <laughs> but I did. I thought it was pretty funny, you know. But I, I probably shouldn't have said that, but it was still fun. <laughs> but, uh, but Jesus says, you're going to receive this power to be my witnesses. So you, you take that message. And then, and then now, he says, I, Jesus is always faithful to do his part. And see, a lot of times we think Christianity is, let me just sit back and watch God work. And God's like, that's not how I work. You know, we work together. And so I, I want to show you some, some things that God showed me. And, and some of it's going to be a little difficult. Sorry. Uh, if, if your toes might get stepped on, hey, don't shoot the messenger, okay? I'm just going to preach the word of God. It says this. Uh, this is after Jesus uh, had said, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. He's ascended into heaven. And then in verse 12, it says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Philip and Andrew and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of, of, of James. So these, they, they, they were all scattered and now they've come together. Think about the crucifixion. If you're unfamiliar with, with scripture, these disciples, these men 
followed Jesus for three plus years. He was pouring into them. He was investing in them. He says, you're going to do what I do. That's what a disciple means. It means you, you watch me and then you do it. And Jesus is preparing them. He goes to the cross to pay for our sin. He's laid in a tomb. On the third day, he's resurrected again. And then he appears to his disciples, and he's teaching them. He's with them for 40 days. And he tells them, hey, get ready. The Holy Spirit's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And they would all scatter. But when Jesus was crucified, the disciples scattered. And even prophecy in the Old Testament says, when the shepherd is struck, the sheep will scatter. But here, they gather. A psalm of ascent. They're going into the upper room. See, the nation of Israel was scattered because of captivity. The disciples scattered because of the crucifixion. But now they gather. All of these with one accord. That, that just means that they were in unity. They were unity in and under Jesus. They were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So they gathered. They weren't perfect, but they were there. There's something about the presence, right? Again, there's, there's power in the presence. I mean, when, I, when, I'm going through, when I'm going through a struggle and I'm alone, it just feels like it's exponentially more weighty, more heavy. But when I can get with somebody else, man, it's, it's why there's joy in the house of the Lord, that we come in, and yeah, we bring all kinds of our baggage in here. As, and we come in, there's days that we come in, and it, we've had a great week, and we're celebrating, and we celebrate with you. And then sometimes we come in, and it's been a devastating week. And you know what? We're going to hurt with you. We're going to engage with you. We're going to enter in with you. But that's the beauty of the body, is that we do this together. And then Peter stands up. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And said this, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in, his menis- in this ministry, which meant he served right alongside of us. He was with us. He saw the power of God at work. He was a witness to what happened. He was a witness of the power of God. And he sat with Jesus at the table. He sat with Jesus around the campfire. And he was a part of this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle. And all his bowels gushed out, just in case you didn't know. I think Peter's like, I'm just dying to tell somebody this. You know? That's Peter. And he says, And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. And when I was reading, it's like, field of blood. I mean, that's probably how Peter said it, you know, because he's pretty, he's pretty out there. But he goes back to the Psalms, Psalm 109, and he says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So Judas betrayed Jesus, and now he's gone. And what Peter's explaining to them as they gather is like, we've got a gap. And that gap needs to be filled. The word says another must take his office. We've got, we've got to do something about this. And then, that, so he goes on, and here's the, he gives the qualifications. He said, so one of the men who have accompanied us 
during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his um, resurrection. And they put forward two names, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside and has gone to his own place. So Peter lays out the qualifications. So he's in a room. You know, if you notice in Acts, it says there was about 120 in all. And he says, somebody in here has been with us from the time that Jesus was baptized by John. They saw his ministry. They saw the crucifixion. And they've seen him after the resurrection. So they, they qualify. You've, you've got to share in the baptism of Jesus and the resurrection with Jesus, and, and they brought two men. They've been with us, and it was like Barsabbas and, and, and Matthias. And, and, and so they, let me, let me just say something about this, the qualification thing. He's given this to the disciples that are in the room. As Christ followers today, as Christians, when we confess Jesus as Lord, when we trust him as our Savior, when we put our life in his and we receive that gift of salvation, at that moment, we're, we're, the word of God says we're baptized into the church. And then we do a public celebration. We do a public declaration of that baptism. That's just modeling after Jesus. But what Paul would write in the New Testament is that I have been crucified with Christ and I've been buried with Christ. And that's the, the picture of, of baptism. That I have been baptized with Christ. So as a Christ follower today... We're witnesses of that baptism because we've experienced that. Then he says they had to have witnessed the resurrection. As Christ followers today, we're witnesses of the resurrection power. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, when I gave my life to Jesus and I came into this relationship with God, I didn't teletransport back in time to, to that day in Jerusalem, and, you know, and see all this happen. And then I see Jesus out of the tomb, like, I'm a witness of the resurrection, you know. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians, he said, Jesus appeared to more than 500 witnesses. But I'm a witness of the power of the resurrection because I know who I was and I know who I am. And it's only the power of God that brings that transformation in my life. And so people think, well, I'm not qualified to be a disciple. It's not up to you. When God calls you, he says, you're going to share in this baptism, which is a symbol of my death and burial and my resurrection and the power of the resurrection in your life. So just laying that out there, that we're all qualified. You know, some people, I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, it's, uh, it, I, know, I know not a lot of places are hiring right now, <laughs> but he said, I'm having a hard time finding a job. I was like, Really? It's like, did you leave your house, you know? I mean, <laughs> you fill out an application, you know? How about submitting a resume, indeed.com? I mean, what? And he goes, no, I'm going on these interviews, and they're, they're looking at my resume, and they're telling me I'm overqualified. I was like, how do you respond to that? He goes, I don't want a job that fits my qualifications. <laughs> I would like a job that I am overqualified for because I'm tired of putting in 60 to 70 hours a week. So you're not overqualified to be a disciple, and you're not underqualified. Some of y'all selling yourself way too short. It's the power of God at work within us. 
So then, so they get these, and they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, this casting lots, they weren't gambling. You know, it wasn't like, okay, Jesus, what should I do? <laughs> you know, should I buy the car or not? Oh, you know, let's go again. You know, I'm sorry, that was Windstar. Um, but <laughs> this, was, this, was a, this was used over 40 times, I think 47 times in the Old Testament, where they were putting that in the hands of God. They would cast the lots. And, and I thought about this, this, this weekend is, is as you came in, you were all going to get the short straw, but I was, I was turned down because I was going to say, Hey, if your straw is smaller than this, then guess what? You're accounted amongst the number. Let's go. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was clever and cool, but my team who keeps me from doing stupid things, they're like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. So, so they're also the ones that now have to preview some of the jokes out of my, my teachings. But, but Saturday night's still open, baby. <laughs> Where was I at? Oh, um, so they let God decide. And then, you know, that finishes the chapter, but the word of God doesn't stop at chapters. It keeps on going. And look at chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, that's the day the Holy Spirit comes, they were all together. Again, they were gathered in one place. And then there came the sound from heaven, the mighty rushing wind. The Holy Spirit came, rested on them as tongues of fire, and they were all filled with the Spirit and stepped out and preached the word of God boldly. And 3,000 people were saved that day. That's multiply. And as God showed me this about the church, let me, let me, let me share with you what he, what he showed me. The church, the body of Christ, is regenerative. It, that, that, that a part can get taken away and God regrows it. You know, you remember studying in science class in middle school, you know, regeneration like lizard tails and things like that and the, the worms. Heather and I had a lizard in our, in our backyard and he was a wood lizard and we called him Woodrow. And, and, and it would just, you know, I mean, he would just run around the patio. You know, I'd see him in the morning doing his push-ups and, you know, it was just awesome. But um, one day I see him come out on the patio, and I was like, Heather, come here, come here. His tail, I mean, he was like this long. His tail was gone. And I was like, something must have got a hold of it. And so we're trying to be coming up with our own theories, you know, like what got the lizard, you know. And, uh, uh, but over the next weeks, we watched his tail grow back. I mean, we'd see him, and, and there it was. It didn't, I mean, it didn't, it, when it severed, it just didn't show up. It had to grow into it. And it looked a little weird, and it didn't have all the scales on it, and it took some time. And I believe that's just the way the body of Christ is. It takes some time. And, and coming out of what we've gone through the last couple years, it takes time. But the body is regenerative. I mean, in, in Acts 1, Judas is gone, and Matthias takes his place. The body of Christ is regenerative. Look at the resurrection they scattered because they saw Jesus, the Messiah, the one they'd followed for years, make the declarations that I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I am, and they see the I am crucified. But on the third day, we see the regenerative power of God as life comes back into Jesus, and he steps out of that tomb. 
that's the regenerative power of God. And as God was showing me this, look, there's some things that we've lost over the last year and so almost two years now. And listen, God restores, God grows it back, but it may not look the same. That's where God was saying, I'll, I'll fill my house again, but it's going to look different. I mean, through COVID, you know, it, 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 it was hard to, to know what our church was because everybody's online. And so you're trying to figure out how do we shepherd people? How do we do this different? And the reality is about 30% of our church and 30% of churches across America just disappeared. It was, it was the fringe that were like, you know, we're just kind of hanging on. We kind of go because we're hoping God will throw us a bone and we're kind of doing this out of religion and we're kind of doing this. You know, we don't really want to do anything for God, but we want something for God. And oh, there's an excuse not to go. And so 30% just gone. And so a lot, a lot, I spent a lot of time just, God, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? But God showed me in this time, never underestimate the remnant. Because when it hit, we saw people gather and feed. We saw people gather and care for our community. People gather and donate blood and donate plasma. And I mean, it was amazing to see what the remnant did. And, 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 and here's the thing. I mean, the, the reality is this. People move on from the creek. People move from other churches. We're, we're in a great migration as a nation right now. I mean, even about five, ten years ago, I'm reading a book on preaching. And, and he said that the average time he gets people in his church is two to three years before they move. They get job transfers. You know, we, we have a very military-heavy church. You know, you get new, new duty stations. You get new orders. I'm like, no. And I, I love our military because the military come in and they just, they get it. I mean, they come in like, hey, we need a church. We just moved in. Now let's get involved. And that's what makes it so hard when they transfer. <laughs> because I'm like, wait, we just lost our tail. Because like, I'll grow it back. And so what God showed me that my responsibility is, is to prepare people for their next assignment. You, know, you, you may have been at the creek since we launched it. And this may be your first weekend, but God has a place for you here. And for as long as you're here, our, our responsibility is to prepare you for that next assignment. You know, and, and, and that's, that's just the reality because the body is regenerative. Listen, there are strengths that we possess as a church that another church needs. So God will take a part of our body to move over to this other body, which is still the body. If you're going to get upset about it, you got to step back and go, am I focused on me or am I focused on the kingdom? And I would rather build the kingdom than, than, than a big group of people who aren't making an impact in the world. I would much rather serve the kingdom. That's a better cause than anything I can manufacture. I just remember in March of 2020, our grandson was born March 13th, 2020. We got to be there for his birth. And we flew home from Canada the day the border shut down. But I remember when all of the uh, stuff was hitting the fan. Uh, <laughs> Heather and I are sitting in a restaurant thinking, I wonder what this is going to do for church planting. And Heather said, we're probably going to be replanting the creek this year. I got really upset with her. 
I, I did repent. I did apologize. <laughs> but in so many ways, God was right. Because it changed the way we look at ministry. It changed the way we build leaders, the way we do things. Because God says, I will fill my house again, but it won't look the way you're looking. I mean, we're not, we're, we're not yet at pre-COVID numbers. We're, we're getting closer. But what I feel like we have is much more focus. Because God's growing it back to look the way he wants it to look for this season of ministry. And, and through that, what happens is new, new leaders lead to multiplication. Because God brings people in, not just, to, not, just to, not just to sit and spectate, but he brings people in to engage in the work of the ministry and of the kingdom, because that's where life change happens. I mean, one of the biggest challenges that we saw when we started regathering was we had leaders that, that never re-engaged. And the challenge with that, just being honest with you, the challenge with that is that the function of the church... And the ministry needs of the church didn't stop. But yet there's these gaps that are now created. And what we've seen is that God has brought new leaders in and we had to step up to that challenge. And since the church is regenerative, God brings that. I mean, it's like Matthias filled the gap. There's a new leader. It wasn't all Matthias. Like, we finally got Matthias. He's the A player. Now we can go see the God do the work, and we see 3,000 people get saved on the day of Pentecost. No, Matthias was part of a team of leaders that Jesus had anointed, appointed, and now sent out. With the power of the Holy Spirit, he sends them out. And so with, with new leaders becomes multiplication because in the, in the kingdom, the math isn't one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals exponential. It's what Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 12. The things that you've seen me do, for those who believe, you will do the works that I do and even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. That's multiplication. That's not Jesus saying that, oh, Matt's going to be, I'm going to be more powerful than Jesus. I'm going to have more power than Jesus. No, no, no. What he's saying is as I multiply disciples, the power gets exponential. Because you look at it, you mean through Acts, just it's a beautiful history of the early church that on that day of Pentecost, 3,000 people get saved. They start connecting and meeting with one another. And then you start seeing that structure happen and it leads out. And so Matthias filled a gap that Judas left. Now, let me say something here, please. I am not saying any leader that stepped down is a Judas. Do not read that from this, Okay. Do not go there. What I am saying is that we have to engage new leaders to see God multiply because multiplication leads to exponential impact. It leads to exponential impact. Among the animals on the planet that are regenerative, starfish. Starfish can lose an arm. I don't know which one you'd tell if there's, which is the arm or not, if it's arm or a leg or I don't know, but they can lose an arm and regrow it. And sometimes when that arm is cut off, they grow an entirely new starfish. They multiply. 
That's the power of God at work. God replaces more than what was lost because God has a purpose and a plan. Let let me just show you in Acts chapter 2. This is after uh, Peter preaches in in verse 41. So those who received his word, he's preaching the gospel, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus. They were baptized and they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people got saved in that one day. That's exponential. 120 come out of the upper room. The end of the day, 3,000 people now have a relationship with Jesus. 3,000 people set in a relationship with Jesus. And it doesn't stop there, because now you go to 244, where it says, um, and all who believed, get this, were together. There's a power of together. They started coming together in what's known as the, the early church. It's the family of God, the body of Christ, coming together to, to, to engage in this mission. And they were together in 47, says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And listen to this, and the Lord added to their number Day by day, those who are being saved. Day by day. It's a snowball effect. It shows us that the gospel is a movement that can never be stopped. You can never legislate God out of anything. You can never oppress the gospel enough to squash it. As a matter of fact, what we see throughout history and what we saw throughout the last year and a half, the more you try to oppress the church and the gospel, the more it explodes because that's the nature of God. God is a multiplier. I mean, starting that day, you got 12 disciples, then in a room of 120, 3,000 people, and day by day by day, in 2020, there's an estimated 2.6 billion Christians in the world. Those are the Christians that are alive. Think about 2,000 years of decisions. Incredible exponential impact. We saw more people, we baptized more people last year than we ever have in in our church's history. Because God is a multiplier and he's impacting our community. And God knows how to put his church together. God knows how to regenerate what we lose. We just have to be faithful to him and we see him. See, see our vision, our, our, our theme for 22 is multiply. So what does that mean? To see more people set in relationship with Jesus, more people saved, more people set in family. That means connected and gathering See, more people set free. That means getting healthy. More people set in motion. That's raising up leaders. That's where God has my heart turned is raising up leaders. And you may be a leader at the creek. And the challenge for you this year is who am I bringing up? How am I regenerating myself right now? How am I pouring into somebody to lead up? Because God's, it doesn't mean you're working yourself out of a job. It means God's working you the way he's designed you to raise up, raise up, raise up. If you're not leading, I just invite you to lead. A practical step is journey track. And our, our 101 starts this weekend. Our connect class starts this weekend. We've got a journey track starting on, on a Wednesday night coming up. Get signed up for it. Get in. Get engaged. I'm, I'm all about multiplying leaders because that's, that's how we're going to see this happen. 
It's not more people coming into a room. It's leaders we raise up that make an impact in the world around us. Because what God showed me is I will fill my house again, but what it will look like is a house full of leaders ready to change the world. I'm ready to go. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you for your vision. Thank you. Ah, thank you for, for, for the gospel. Thank you for you, Jesus, going to the cross for us and bringing us life and hope and, and paying for our sin. And thank you for trusting us with the, the greatest message, the greatest mission the world will ever, ever encounter. I thank you for the vision you've given us, specifically here for the creek. God, give us wisdom and, and give us discernment. Help us to, to navigate this and work through this over the next several weeks to really understand what your call to us is to multiply, multiply leaders, multiply impact. I thank you for that. I pray you work in us to multiply your power, multiply your purpose in us. Pray for us to understand the calling you have on our life calling to a relationship with you, a calling to make an impact in the world through your name. Help us to understand, connect with the power that's present when we gather with you. Multiply us, God. Lead us to exponential impact. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you guys.